Welcome to this latest FSB Monthly Roundup podcast brought to you by the Federation of Small Businesses and the go-to podcast for news, tips and important information for small businesses and the self-employed. This episode is our February 2023 Small Business Roundup in which we'll take a look at some of the important issues hitting the headlines at the moment and which you may need to be aware of right now as small business owners. Uh, This month, we will be diving deep into two issues important to small businesses. The first is funding around apprenticeships for small businesses. 6th to 12th of February is National Apprenticeship Week in England. And to coincide with that, FSB has released a report calling for a number of things to help both businesses and apprentices get the most out of the scheme. So we'll, we'll look at that. And as part of that, we'll hear firsthand from a firm that employs many apprentices to better understand the issue from their point of view. Uh, And we will then also take a look at some shifts that FSB would like to see around childcare costs and funding around that. And that's an issue that is a concern for many, given the high costs of childcare and the fact that they run alongside a number of other rising costs that we're all experiencing right now. So to help us explore those issues, I'm joined by three brilliant contributors. Chris Russell, FSB Policy Advisor, will talk about apprenticeships for us. Tom Filer is Director of Family Adventures Group in Somerset, which is made up of six day nurseries and two indoor play centers. And he's going to talk about the use of the SMR business perspective. And Rebecca Haslova is uh, another FSB policy advisor who will talk us through the childcare issue. Thank you all for joining me and welcome. Tom, I mentioned there that you're the director of a business that uses a number of apprentices. Um, tell us a bit about that and how they add value to your firm, could you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as you said, we've got six um, day nurseries and two indoor play sites across Somerset. And some of those are in quite rural locations and, you know, hospitality and um, nurseries this year have been in the news for having some quite acute uh, staffing shortages. Um, so all of that has led us over the last couple of years since COVID to really think about how we approach our strategic workforce planning, HR, you know, how we get people into the business in, in slightly different ways, especially in our rural settings where there just isn't the, the, the local talent pool to be able to, to, to sustain our future workflow needs. Um, and all of that has been in a backdrop for us of some really quite significant growth. So we've quadrupled the number of staff that we've needed in our nurseries over the last year alone. Um, so really quite rapid growth. Um, and again, in the backdrop of a a sector that's been struggling for 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 its for, for the staff for retaining and for, for for recruiting staff. So we've part of that strategy overall, we've had to look very closely at how we how we deal with apprentices, how we engage and bring people on from a very early age in their careers and how we actually um how we actually get get them on board um and use them as a part of our workforce planning at that early age, but also how we look at apprenticeships for uh, older people as well, how we look at people that aren't just in that 16 to 18 bracket, actually people that are looking at career changes or people that are looking at potentially, um, you know, wanting just to do something different or to upskill and, and, and to change their direction in their lives. Yeah, and there's this sort of tendency, Tom, I guess, that uh, apprenticeships are for entry-level roles or, or young people, and you alluded to the fact that that's not 
always necessarily the case. You have you have apprentices in a number of roles, right? Yeah, absolutely. So we we created a, a future leaders program, which is uh, essentially combining uh, the the um, an, an apprenticeship at a leadership and management level um, with um, a guaranteed role at the end, a guaranteed salary, and it's just something different that we've done within the early years um, in the earlier side of the business. It's actually worked really well. Um, so apprenticeships for us can be people that want to those career changes. They can be any um, any stage of your journey with us, right up to <clears throat> being a, a, a setting manager. Um, we can put you onto a leadership management qualification. There are apprentices, apprenticeships for for, for everybody. Um, so we we try and utilize them and really um, get, you know, use them as part of our a, a key part of our retention strategy. Yeah, I think lots of small businesses benefit from apprentices um but but lots probably haven't gone down that route because they they probably don't know how to do it and 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 they're unaware of the the sort of benefits could you give us a little bit around the process is it easy or hard what are some of the pain points and challenges for example i think i think some businesses um especially businesses that 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 take people uh straight out of school can sometimes um feel a little bit burnt by uh, the process that they go through, especially um, smaller businesses. They might recruit uh, an apprentice and that might not work out for them for one reason or another. And it actually might put them off the whole process going forward. And I think that is is a little bit of a, a you know, there's a there's a PR piece there. I think that the, the government needs to work on in terms of in terms of apprenticeships and, and and how to get the best out of your teams, especially people coming in these days into the workforce. I think you know, a lot of people would agree that there's probably you know you you sound a little bit old uh, saying this, but not like it's not like when people went to work in my day kind of thing. Um, and that for us, we we see that there are a lot of basic skills that we've had to that we've had to uh, adapt and change and, and 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 to provide to our people coming in for apprenticeships. But actually, across the board, we've had you know if, if rough percentages. You know, if we get one person that doesn't work out for us an apprenticeship, there'll be another five that do. Actually, the success rates that we've got with our apprenticeships are, are really quite high. And Chris, I'll, I'll bring you in if if that's okay. We've heard lots there about the, the benefits of apprenticeships for for small businesses and and, and I guess for the individuals. Um, why does FSB feel it's important or useful for for small businesses to hire apprentices? Well, I mean, first of all, John, thanks for the invite uh, onto the podcast, and um, really great to be here during National Apprenticeships Week. Um, I think if you just take a step back and just picking up on some of the comments uh, Tom was making about the labour market, we're really seeing it's it's such a tight labour market for um, several years, really, even before COVID, but especially now. And consistently, there's now more vacancies than unemployed people. And I think you, the report you mentioned, um, which was recently published, we found that 80% of SMEs um, had recruitment difficulties last year, which is quite astonishingly high. And that's sort of across kind of all sectors, really, and all skill levels, uh, people are really having recruitment difficulties. And one of the main reasons for that is really just the difficulty with finding people who have the right skills for those roles. And I think of that 80%, about another 80% said, the reason they are having recruitment difficulties was a lack of people with right skills, qualifications, experience. So apprenticeships are a really great way for businesses 
to try and fill those uh, gaps that they're seeing and trying to, well, I think Tom explained it better than I could, but really trying to make sure they have the skills um, that those businesses need. And from the apprentice's point of view, it's, you know, a very good qualification to get if you're looking to develop skills that are important for employers, important in the labour market and, and to their own careers. You mentioned there a pretty hefty um, level of vacancies and you know challenges around bringing in the right skills. Um, but latest stats from Department for Education show that apprenticeship starts are actually falling, uh, and especially among um, young people at lower levels. So why why is that the case? Why are we seeing that? Yeah, I mean, I I think there's a lot of reasons there, um, and if you're a massive policy geek like I am, then do. Uh, please read our report, which goes into a lot of detail. But I think it's sort of a top line kind of summary. I think over recent years, we've seen um, more and more starts amongst older people sort of retraining um, at higher levels and less starts from younger people at sort of lower apprenticeships levels who are just starting off in their career. Now, I know I know previously you're know, talking to Tom about um the importance of retraining and I I definitely think that's that has its part to play, but it can't really be at the expense of of younger people. And I think it's really important to really help those people just leaving school and to just starting off their careers. And what we've seen is it tends to be smaller businesses that do hire uh, younger apprentices at, at younger level, at lower levels. And it's been sort of the SMEs that have been struggling to hire, uh, apprentices, whereas the larger businesses, which tend to retrain existing staff using apprenticeships have been, um, hiring more apprentices. And I think, I mean, there's two main government reforms that have really, uh, led to this. One of them was the introduction of the apprenticeship levy. Which is just for larger firms, which has kind of forced them to um, do a lot of this um, retraining of their current staff using apprenticeships. And the other one, we've seen a change in the um, qualifications for apprenticeships, um, moving from a system of what are called frameworks to standards. And the standards have been developed in partnership with industry. But when I say industry, it's mainly been the large, larger businesses and it's mainly been at the sort of higher level qualifications that, um, larger businesses tend to use more. So there's sort of a lack of qualifications there, um, for smaller businesses. Yeah. That's interesting stuff. And what does FSB want to see done, uh, to change that? Well, again, I, I would, I would urge people, uh, to, to read the report that it took me. And, well, and colleagues, um, quite a long time to write. Um, but I just, I'll just pick on one, one specific thing. Um, during the pandemic, there was a £3,000 financial incentive, um, from government for firms that were hiring apprentices. Um, and we've, we've been calling for this to be reintroduced because we feel like that had a huge impact on the amount of starts. If you look at um, Department for Education's figures, it was 
during the pandemic, when this higher rate of financial incentive was introduced, we saw starts increase by 20%. But when they removed this financial incentive, um, we saw starts reduced by 12%. And in the report that we referenced, um, we found, we, we asked our members how many uh, additional apprentices would they hire if this financial incentive at £3,000 was reintroduced. And 21% of them said they would be hiring additional apprentices, which is a huge amount. And I think that would have a huge impact. I think, I think also, Chris, just the, the £3,000, I know we spoke, we spoke about this, um, last week on a, on a, on a, on a separate, um, separate call, but the £3,000 in, in our experience in particular was actually, was, was, was great because one, it was, uh, it was not just £3,000, but it's also applicable to people outside of the 16 to 18 age bracket. And I think for, you know, you, if you've, uh, gone to college and then you want to get into, say, a sector like ours early years, um and you know you 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 aren't in that 16 to 18 bracket actually for a lot of uh, employers that can really put them off because they're not getting that support alongside to give to give the training for for basic skills and i know when you asked me the question completely um i hadn't read your report at the time and you asked me that question last week and that was my one of my number one things that i said what yeah, what could be done better and that was that uh, um that was one of the things i said so I, I completely agree and i think it's a it's a it's a very good recommendation Brilliant. Thank you. And if you would like to uh, take up Chris's offer to read that report, Chris, I assume that's on the FSB website, uh, fsb.org.uk, is it? Yeah, that's right. It's called uh, Scaling Up Skills. Uh, brilliant. That's brilliant. Thank you both. That's that's really interesting. Um, I just want to move on to uh, our, our second core topic, which is around childcare costs. Um, that's an issue for, that's important for many SME owners across the country with Childcare costs are a real burden, as I say, at this time when we're facing many other rising costs too. Um, everybody's being impacted um, by, by a cost of living crisis. And so that's, you know, for, for those with children, that's just heaping further further pressure on. Rebecca is here to chat about that. Hi, Rebecca. Thank you for, for joining us. Hi, John. Thank you so much for having me. No, we're, we're pleased to have you here. Thank you for joining. How big an issue is this and what sort of pressure is this putting on SMEs? I think to put it simply, it's it's quite a big issue. Um, and as you say, it affects many people and in quite a variety of ways. But I think one thing to point out to begin with is that it's not as isolated an issue as it may seem. Um, so I think, I mean, Chris mentioned the labor market and, you know, it's not necessarily an automatic thing that people think to, but there are links between something relatively isolated like childcare that people would think only really affects parents and businesses in that sector and things you know wider economic trends like maybe participation in the labor market so i would say yeah you're absolutely right it is a big issue for sme owners and um, whether they are in the childcare sector or sme owners who are parents um you know the the cost of childcare can absolutely affect the ability of people to stay at work or keep running their business um i actually remember in summer there were some pretty um, striking headlines in the media that talked about people paying to work, kind of suggesting that the cost of childcare was higher than their earnings. And perhaps somewhat unsurprisingly, some people have chosen to exit from the labour market to care for their children and in that way sort of get rid of those um, pretty 
astronomical childcare costs. And um, yeah, the, the government at the moment focuses a lot on participation and encouraging people to either remain in the labour market or return to it if they've exited already. So in that context, childcare really should be a portfolio of interest. And it certainly is for, for us at FSB. We do engage regularly with um, the government and also other stakeholders uh, on this issue, um, which, yeah, is, is quite severe all year round. But as I said, it seems to be a particularly a bad sort of issue or, or at least quite prominent issue in the summer months. Um, the way I explain this is that um, at that point of the year, a lot of parents would have exhausted their um, free childcare entitlements. So for those in our audience that may not be familiar with this, government has this funding scheme that funds what they call three hours. It's 33 hours per week um, of childcare for the duration of 38 weeks in the year. Uh, which is basically the school term. So when it comes to the summer holidays, that financial support from the government isn't there anymore. And of course, that kind of creates or aggravates the issue of childcare affordability. So for that reason, um, we here at FSB are um, asking the government to extend that 38 week a year period to 45 weeks, because we think that, of course, it will help any parent with the cost of childcare, but especially for that sort of target group of people uh, where, you know, the childcare costs really determine whether it's viable for them to remain at work or keep running their business. Um, this sort of extension, this coverage could really encourage labour market participation. Um, but that's really only one angle on the issue. That's really only the parent angle. Um, I mean, the same issues with childcare costs affect businesses in the sector. So I think it's important that we keep thinking about childcare as not just a family issue, uh, but also a business issue. Yeah, that's fascinating. I hadn't really sort of considered that seasonal element to it and the fact that that kind of money runs out after a certain amount of time. As with most of the things we talk about on this podcast, FSB is sort of working away in the background and calling for changes and calling for amendments to, to the way things work. What are you, what are you asking for here? Oh, John, we, we absolutely are indeed. Um, I think before I get into it more specifically, I think what you said is it's quite interesting. We, we definitely are quite a valuable voice and quite an interesting voice in the childcare policy arena because we do have many members in the childcare sector that we represent, like, like Tom on the podcast with us today. But also we have parents that run businesses across different sectors that feed in that parent perspective. So then when we do go to um, the government, you know, officials or even other organizations and we work together to create these policy recommendations to create change, we really bring this like holistic view of childcare and we recommend to improve the same policies, but in different ways to suit the parents and the business. Um, so to give you an example, and, and I'll stick with the the, the 33 system that I discussed previously, although I do have an issue with it being called free, um, that can also be improved, not just for the parent, like I discussed in the first part, but also for the provider, because um, Department for Education, who are responsible for childcare policy, they published uh, an update to their funding, early years funding formula in December of last year, um, 2022, and they raised the minimum funding that a parent can receive for an hour of so-called free childcare to £4.87. But the same department also at the end of last year released a document that suggested that the mean cost of hours childcare provision is actually five sixty. Um, so there's there's a gap between what the government is funding and what is selling to, to parents as free and then what's the actual cost of provision. 
And I appreciate that, you know, discrepancy between the two numbers may not sound that dramatic. But then if you look at, you know, we discussed 33 hours for 38 weeks, that's 1,140 hours per child at an hour, hourly loss of, you know, between pences and, and, and pounds. That that's very detrimental to the provider and then overall to the sector. So what we're hoping that the government can do to, to help the sector is to align the funding that they provide for these free hours to the actual cost of provision. Um, so that would be one thing that we're asking for another quite consistent FSB recommendation or ask um, to support the sector is to exempt uh, them from business rates. Um, the nurseries are often in residential properties that are more um, uh, more expensive than commercial properties. It's not just the type of the property, it's also the location of the property. So there'll be in areas with higher residential costs of property. So for that reason, the business rates on day nurseries are quite high for a small business anyways. And there isn't much support from the small business rate relief. Um, so to help with these costs, we are asking uh, that the UK government introduces in England what already exists in Wales and Scotland, which is a 100% business rate relief for day nurseries. And I think to, to kind of bring it to an end, it, it kind of comes back to that holistic idea of childcare policy that we have here at FSB. Because if you do help the sector, if you do help the businesses operate not at a loss, if you support the sector, that cost reduction will reflect on the affordability and availability for parents in terms of childcare. So we're hoping to do this sort of full circle support for everyone with when it comes to childcare affordability. Thanks, Rebecca. That's really insightful. Tom, you, we mentioned that, you know, your, your business has got a childcare element to it. I think you're a parent too. What's your experience around this? Yeah, so I'm, 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 I'm caught on both sides of this argument. Um, and, you know, I'm a parent that, uh, I, I have two daughters and one goes to school and, um, I've got six nurseries, but I, we, we choose to put my other daughter into a nursery that's attached to that school just for ease of drop off in, in the mornings. And uh, I see when the bill comes through the um, comes through on email, and I and I look at it and go, how much? And uh, and then you know, equally this morning, I've been looking at uh, you know fee reviews for us in April, and I'm looking at minimum wage going up by nine point seven percent. It's a you know it's an industry that is very closely aligned with that minimum <clears throat> minimum wage, very low paid um, industry, um, which. It really shouldn't be, uh, but you're 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 always weighing up how much you can charge parents versus how much you can pay your staff, and you always want to pay your staff a lot more because the the job they do and the the impact they have on your know, children in their first five years of their lives is 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 fundamental to how those people are then going to go on and, and develop in in later life. A lot of research on that. I think also the 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 what what Rebecca was referring to then in in, in terms of the. The circle, the this the circular, you know, the, the kind of the um, <clears throat> the the how parents then link in with um, with 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 businesses as well. I think there's been some really good research done in Canada where they uh, and there's a lot of examples from other countries around the world, but in Canada in particular, there's been some really um, good research done there. That I think that they they worked out that for every pound invested, um, it, it brought back to the wider economy. One pound forty. I don't know, Rebecca, if you know the exact number around that number, but it was definitely more than one. Um, and it was so the 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 benefits there were are, are quite clear to 
to see. And I think, as you alluded to too, as well, Rebecca, the 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 terminology free hours is um, quite, I think, um, uh, misleading for parents. And so, as a provider, you're then you have to essentially top that money up through a number of different ways, which all don't work in the best interests of parents, no matter how you do it. You'll see some of the bigger, um, some of the larger chains will you make you book a five-hour um, session and of that, they'll only allow you to claim three hours of funded and two will be at a higher rate. So overall, they'll, they'll make up the difference or you can charge what's called a consumables charge for food and for, for, for other elements. So it's a really, really difficult situation at the moment. And, uh, and, and, and I think I'm, I'm pleased to see that childcare is becoming a, a key issue for the elections at the end of next year. My fear is that actually it's going to be too late by the end of next year. I think we're already seeing a large number of childcare providers, um, childminders in particular, but also smaller um, owner operated um, and smaller group nursery chains are really, really vulnerable here. And the data on that is is is, is clear to see. And Ofsted has recently reported um, that the, the data on that showing that there's been quite a significant loss. So it's a really difficult situation. I think waiting until the end of next year is going to be too late. We're going to have you know, had a detrimental impact that's, that we're going to struggle to recover um, on the on the sector. And it's one of those where you find as a as a parent, you think the costs are astronomical, but actually you struggle to find places because even with those costs, um, settings just can't can't operate and can't survive. Yeah, it's definitely a difficult situation. It's a complex one too, and it's clear that there's a need to relieve some of the pressure on both sides, not just for um, parents who might be SME owners or um, working with SMEs, but uh, also with small businesses that are in that sector as well. So it's certainly a complex one. Thank you, Rebecca and Tom, for, for contributing on that. Um, that brings us to the end of our small business roundup for February. Uh, our look at the small business announcements in the headlines right now and what they might mean to you as small business owners. Thanks again to all of our guests, to Tom, Chris, and Rebecca. It was really, really insightful. Thank you for, for sharing your your viewpoints. Thanks also to our audience for listening to this episode. While I have your attention, as always, I would like to just remind you that you can subscribe to the FSB podcast to receive regular updates and guidance on the big issues affecting small businesses. And do please also remember that you can find a whole host of additional webinars, podcasts, and other valuable content at the First Voice website, firstvoice.fsb.org.uk, and the FSB website, fsb.org.uk, where you can also access that report that Chris is so keen for you to, to download and read. Thanks again, guys. Really appreciate your time, and thank you for listening.